As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The race is on. And Red Bull launched the eagerly awaited RB20 at its Milton Keynes headquarters today with what's touted as an evolutionary design offering plenty of surprises. So has Red Bull raised the game? And did Christian Horner's first official public appearance since news of the investigation into him overshadow the event? I'm Ed Straw and joining me to tell all are Gary Anderson, Mark Hughes and special guest Nelson Falkenberg. Well, today we have another podcast of three parts. In the first, I'm joined by TV commentator Nelson Falkenberg to give a Dutch perspective before we hear Gary Anderson's technical analysis. Then, in the final section, Mark Hughes gives his take on the step forward taken by Red Bull. So, without further ado, it's over to me in Milton Keynes. Will you join us uh, sat down at Milton Keynes at the campus? The launch was recorded not long ago, just letting people know it was recorded in the afternoon rather than actually late morning rather than uh, shown live. So uh, we have seen what the rest of the world is waiting for. But when you listen to this, you'll have heard it. I'm joined by Nelson Falkenberg. With the best, my, as the best my Dutch pronunciation can uh, can go, uh, Dutch TV commentator for Viaplay. Obviously, it's a Red Bull launch, Max Verstappen. Of course, you're here, so I guess it's a big deal for you, isn't it? It definitely is, and uh, especially in the Netherlands, there is no bigger deal than Max Verstappen. So we have to be here. Uh, and but the thing with Viaplay is we we do eight countries, eight uh, different countries. So we're uh, we're here also to talk to Sergio and to Christian Horner. So it's not only Max, but the emphasis will always be a little bit on the world champion. Of course, well, it's for everyone, really. And obviously, his success has been such a huge story. And is that showing any signs of? there being a loss of interest or are people just delighted that he's having that endless success and that he's such a great driver? I think uh, in the middle of last year there was this moment that people thought this is this is different than 21 and, and we're enjoying it maybe less but there seems to be this thing that people are now thinking it's so special we will never see this in our lifetime as a Dutch as a Dutch Formula 1 fan ever again um, maybe never so we'll, we'll relish uh, the, the feeling as long as it uh, as long as it lasts but yeah I think everybody would be happy if Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren would be a little bit closer. Well, funnily enough, Max was asked about that. We did a little media session with him and he said, would you like it to be 
closer so it's a bit more exciting and he sort of said well yes and no because the drivers always like the fight don't they he'd ideally like it to be closer but he still almost always wins that would be the ideal I think so but he's also said uh, to us on camera that he enjoys the races where he finishes 30 seconds ahead of number two the most he gets the most satisfaction out of that so yeah as long as he wins he'll be happy but uh, yeah if he's dominant he's happy as well exactly exactly and it's not easy to do what he did last season as we talked about all last year he's a phenomenal driver and yeah, showing no signs of, of relaxing but obviously this launch was a very interesting one because not only was it an interesting car but there's a lot going on with Red Bull with the Christian Horner situation what did you make of that because obviously that's been a big story in your part of the world as well uh, definitely and it feels a little bit like crisis what crisis um, uh, carry on and uh, there was this era of uh, nothing to see here and uh, Christian Horner was uh, there for the uh, for the most part of the day I think the entirety of the, the launch and he took a, a role front and center and I was a little bit surprised by that he really didn't shy away wasn't apologetic about it at all on the other hand uh, and you've probably been told this as well we really couldn't ask about it. Uh, they really stayed away from the subject and the investigation that's been uh, ongoing and still is ongoing. We don't know the result of that. So, yeah, a little bit, it, a weird vibe, a little bit, but uh, all in all, quite a good launch. Yeah, and he was certainly in everything, wasn't he? As you say, front and centre, but he was in the VTs, he was in the VT interviews, he was on stage pretty much throughout. Those who've watched the stream will have seen that. So, while there was that elephant in the room, to me the whole messaging was i'm not worried about that and indeed horner obviously the way these things work is you're doing television stuff so you've got tv interviews so you sort of end up being separate from those of us in the sort of written media yeah. but we all get our, our time with them but we had a, a session with christian in which we were told not to ask about the investigation specifically although he did take a few questions about whether there was any instability or uncertainty and again he stressed it's just as normal really it, it, we're just carrying on and I'm sure he's giving similar sort of messaging in TV although I think you were maybe on an even tighter leash we were definitely on a tight leash but you know with Christian he's also an extremely good politician so uh, he will measure his words always very carefully but I just had this feeling that he wanted to project that he's in control of this team there was very little in the way from uh, well Helmut Marko he was a little bit in the VT we saw him but we didn't hear from him at all um, so he, he was here for half an hour I think it, it, it's, it's just an interesting power dynamic at the moment uh, at Red Bull, and it's interesting to see how that will play out. Yeah, exactly, and it's still going to be a big talking point that investigation's ongoing. And obviously, it's only right and proper there aren't questions directly about the investigation because it has to be allowed to play out properly. It has to be taken seriously. And although there's all the talk about the political stuff, I'm sure people have seen all sorts of theories written and talked about, but at its heart, there is the question of right, what has happened and what's the appropriate action. That's the key thing that has to be uh, focused on, isn't it? I'm glad they're focusing on due process, but this, uh, this launch had just a little bit of a weird vibe because of it. And it's always, they couldn't avoid it, I think. The only thing they maybe could have done that would have been easier on the drivers and on uh, on us as well is just send out some renders and we'll see you in Bahrain but he didn't want to uh, clearly didn't want to um, yeah, raise the white flag in that case yeah and in fact this launch is actually much more in front of everyone than any Red Bull launch for quite some time actually there's a lot of media here it's obviously in Milton Keynes there's lots of media based in Europe could get there last year they did a 
pseudo launching. Were you there in, in, uh, in, in New York? Last no, year. no, no, no. I could see it, it was, was chaotic. In, it was chaotic, and I've never seen anything like it. And this was uh, definitely a lot better for us in, as media, but also as fans. Exactly, yeah, exactly. But obviously, they they'll have sat down and thought, how do we approach this? And I, and I must admit, although it was a little bit weird, I think they actually just handled the general thing, just from a, the point of view of the people putting the event together, handled it handled it about as well as you could, and. Yeah. You know, whatever messaging they're trying to put out or the Horner in control, that, that's that's one thing. But it, it was good. We had a real car as well. Yes, and, that, yeah. and that's the thing. At, at launch is the car is the star, ultimately. It was the real car that was unveiled as well, the one that ran at Silverstone earlier in the week. And, yeah, it, it's quite exciting, isn't it? Because all the talk about an evolutionary car, and it is an evolutionary car, but Max Verstappen called it uh, a con- controlled aggressiveness yeah. in terms of the evolution. And Which sums up Max nowadays, uh, controlled <laughs> aggressiveness. Exactly. Uh, but it's, it, for everybody has the same question. How far can they develop this car and how much is there still in the regulations to come? And, and how much will they be uh, pushed by the other teams? And they cannot rest because there is going to be a team who figures it out in the same way they have. And uh, they definitely aren't resting on their laurels, that's for sure. They've gone quite aggressive, especially it seems on the, on packaging at the rear. Um, but uh, we'll need Bahrain and a lot more pictures to be able to see more of that car. But uh, refinement and maybe controlled aggressiveness, we'll see. But it's really interesting from a developmental point of view because we talk about whether they're reaching the full potential of these regulations, but... There's a tendency with the ground effect cars to think there's almost a hard limit, but there's always some kind of limit under the old regs that James Allison at the back end of last season said, well, under the old rules, you could just kept finding more and more performance. There didn't seem to be a limit, but there always is because the laws of physics are immutable, aren't they? But I think probably purely based on the visuals, the Red Bull might be terrible. I doubt it, but obviously the, the lap time will say whether it's good or not what it, it looks like. But it probably would be a mistake for everyone just to assume that Red Bull was close to topping out. Yeah, the development curve will always shallow. You're getting into finer details, but no lack of creativity, clearly. No, and and with these regulations also, uh, teams can find a lot of downforce and then not be able to produce it on the track or give the drivers a car they can actually do the business with. So it's a little bit misleading with these regulations what you actually find in the wind tunnel and how you find uh, the optimal setup or whether or not it actually works for a driver. But they've been so far ahead of the curve that it is in the, de- the devil is in the details for them. And uh, they just seem so comfortable with the route they're taking, with what Max in particular needs from that car. Um, and that's where they're winning. How often have we seen on a Friday last year that they weren't great? And then they come back, come back to Milton Keynes the overnight. They do a lot of calculations. The team here works very hard and they unlock something. So it's not easy for them. Otherwise, they'd be great coming off the truck every race. And that's not the case. Exactly. And also, they had Singapore last year as yeah. well, which shows things can go uh, wrong. And I'm very interested as well by the, the question of obviously Sergio Perez. How's he perceived in the in the the Max Verstappen narrative in in your part of the world? Because that's that's an interesting thing. Because we see it one way, no idea how uh, how he's presented in the Netherlands. And b- yeah. because I see him as a driver who actually Max needs to be doing better. Because in a close fight, your second driver in the drivers' championship, let alone the constructors, is important. True. I think though that for Dutch fans, it's it's very clear that he needs to accept his second driver role. I think for the Dutch fan base, that's that's a given. Now, if you're a top athlete, you can never do that. You will always have to give yourself a fighting chance, otherwise you'd quit. But uh, the Dutch fans are uh, an, 
um, not always top athletes in their mindset and they will support Max to the utmost and they need uh, Sergio to understand that he's the second driver. But it just doesn't work like that for an athlete or for the team. Um, I, I agree with you that if the rest is closer, Max and Red Bull will need Sergio to be firing on all cylinders. Otherwise, you're exposed in, in, in strategy and, um, and also in development. So it is imperative, I think, that they get Sergio going in the way they need to. It was interesting as well because the the specs of Lewis Hamilton's deal obviously loomed a little yeah. bit over this launch as well. Max was asked about it. In fact, he was asked about, well, is it a dream for you to race for Ferrari? And he was very careful not to give the standard F1 driver response, which is always, well, it's a dream. It would be a dream to race to Ferrari, for Ferrari because he knows people get a bit carried away with that. I think all F1 drivers quite like the idea, but for a lot, the opportunity doesn't present itself at the right time or it's not a good enough opportunity. I would say you may or may not drive a Ferrari yeah. at, uh, at some point in the future. But one thing I was wondering is that's a, a powerhouse lineup for Ferrari. Yeah. And that almost puts even more pressure on this whole second driver situation for, for Red Bull, doesn't it? Because they need a second driver. It's, it's fine to have a second driver who's not equal status in terms of what they can deliver. But you need a strong number two. You don't need a number one and a number three. Let's no, put it that way. No, I fully agree. And uh, there's a lot of pressure for Christian Horner to resolve this whole situation. Because you know Fred Vasseur has uh, Pierre Rocher's number. He will be calling to find that final bit on his technical team. Get one key name from either Mercedes, but mostly Red Bull. I, I, I expect him to, uh, to really target Wache. So stability in the team is also going to be key in that fight for the future with the likes of Ferrari. But I agree, Sergio needs to step it up. He needs to be that guy who's either going to take the points if Max falters or gets taken out or has mechanical issues, or he's that guy who can protect uh, the strategy if it's a very close race. Can he do it? It will depend on his Saturday form, but his Sunday form is fine. It's his Saturday form that lets him down. Exactly, and the thing is, the Sunday form is too often deployed undoing what happened on Saturday. So by the time he gets through slower cars, most of the race is done and he's not really a factor. So yeah, very interesting for him. And I, I'm fascinated to see what the timeline is on that because there's, there's a lot of moving parts in this driver market yeah. now. And Re Re Daniel Ricciardo's the obvious replacement well yeah. i mean the he's the obvious low friction replacement yeah, no. but yeah as you've we're probably going to yeah. allude to there ultimately his performance last year was fine but sonoda was still a bit quicker yeah. it didn't always show in the results but at the moment the ricardo that red bull have got on their books might be a little bit stronger than perez but not not a step change and that's going to be such a headache if perez doesn't doesn't deliver at a good enough level and it's it's his fourth season here so yeah. There's no reason to expect a transformation. If Ricardo doesn't convince them, then what are they going to do? Yeah, well, if you'd have you'd have to bite the bullet, and also um, maybe someone in the organization has to admit that they've been wrong about some drivers, because then Carlos Sainz comes into uh, into picture, or and I would suggest. I really hope it happens that Alex Albon finds his way back because it would be the ultimate redemption story if he makes it work now to say, okay, it was too soon. They kicked me out too soon. I've learned my lessons. I haven't given up. I've dusted myself off and look what I'm doing now. And then suddenly you do succeed within that same environment. That That's the ultimate story for him. And I, as a, as a, as someone who likes a bit of drama and a little, a little, we like the story and I really like the guy and the way he's picked himself up. I would really like to see Alex Albon in that car in the future. Yeah, that would be very interesting. I must admit, I've got a little bit of a 
never go back kind of feeling on that and and if it's a choice between say Red Bull and another top team maybe that swings it but you'd rather be at Red Bull than say at Sauber or something like that we know they they like him so that's a really interesting thing yeah Carlos Sainz is another good one and Carlos Sainz was he was always in the Red Bull scheme a little bit on sufferance Helmut Marko was never a huge fan of his but I think Sainz is another driver who could do a very good job in in that in that car because he's just so just so intelligent and complete a driver yeah he's not going to be beating Verstappen but he could be the, the the kind of the bankable super number two if you like which is kind of what he was being at, at Ferrari because even though he's close to Leclerc Leclerc still always had that little bit of extra pace when he could yeah. deploy it so I, I, there's a lot of interesting drivers there and it's probably going to be a few months of kind of dancing around that but it's you're going, going to be, be very interesting. Exactly, and you're going to be worried you may miss out if you're a, yeah. if you're a Red Bull. Yeah, the, uh, because the Hamilton move came unexpectedly, and also the Lando Norris resigning. Uh, the, the contract is potentially for a couple of years. We don't know exactly. It has suddenly not only put pressure on drivers but also on teams in this in this market. But the thing with Carlos Sainz is uh, Leclerc hasn't been able to put him away. Yes, he has him on single lap pace most of the time, but on uh, getting the maximum out of a weekend, Sainz is there or maybe ahead of Leclerc at the moment and that's why it's it's a tough situation for uh, for uh, Carlos Sainz and he is dependent on what happens at Aston Martin at Mercedes he, he doesn't have his uh, future in his own hands so feel a little bit for him but yeah he might end up uh, taking Perez's seat but that's up to Perez yeah so I think it's going to be very very interesting because there's always going to be this tendency with drivers to they want to get something signed, but there might be something better there. So I can see the Red Bull decision being quite drawn out. And we know, well, we believe Mercedes like the idea of Antonelli. Going to need a few months just to check that F2 is going as planned. He would, he'll need the super license points yeah, for a start. Yeah, for a start. But yeah. there's, there's always a chance, no matter how good he is, that he just doesn't take to F2 or he's just not quite. He just needs a bit more time yeah. to, to mature. I think Antonelli will be fine. But there are things that need to play out. Yeah. So. If you're someone like Carlos Sainz, you must be you must be really worried because there's options on the table for him now, and there's potential options that could be on the table. Really hard. Yeah, the the thing is, Antonelli and his progress also holds a little bit of the key here, because if Alonso is being called upon to do a one-year deal, for instance, with Mercedes, that opens up the door for Carlos Sainz. Uh, but isn't it interesting that Mercedes now suddenly really puts all its eggs in in a very young basket uh, where they weren't able to do it with Max and there's always been rumors that there was a potential deal uh, there at Mercedes when he was very young and it seems like they don't want it to happen to them again that they miss out on a talent so on the one hand we've got a couple of older drivers they're just as old as I am so let's go for that one and uh, who won't stop yet and they're still at the peak or near the peak of their powers and on the other hand we've got a couple of really young guys coming and Sainz, Albon, Perez, they might all get squeezed by that at for the top seats. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, th- I do think that having missed out on Verstappen maybe is playing a part in quite fancying the Antonelli idea because certainly late on, there was quite a lot of interest in Verstappen for a long time, but he tried to stay independent for quite a while and obviously he only went with an F1 lineman basically when it facilitated graduating to F1 and obviously Mercedes were in that battle at that point but they could yeah, he, offer he him didn't a start like a, a start off as a Red Bull driver in F3 yeah, yeah. it was mid-season that they got on board and people forget that, that exactly Red yeah. and Bull took the bait and the only reason they got him well the main reason they got him is they had a Toro Rosso they yeah. could put him in which the other teams didn't have and obviously Verstappen's always been in a hurry <laughs> so yeah. that's uh, that was a big part of it but but overall from what we've seen today 
there's no reason to expect this not to be another very, very good news story throughout the year for certainly the Netherlands. No, well, definitely. And I think we just have to accept that Red Bull won't make a, a, a tremendous mistake on this car. The big question is, have the others done such a good job that they're close enough to force them? Because we'll know mistakes only come when you're under pressure and they haven't been under pressure last year. Neither has Max. Um, so it means that the impetus is on the, on the other teams. They need to deliver, not Red Bull. They will always deliver when, because they're on their, on their path they set out uh, with these new regulations. Exactly. It's going to be uh, really interesting to see if they are pushed a bit more, but all seems to be pretty well in terms of the car at Red Bull this year. Thanks very much, Nelson Valkenberg, and if you'd like to hear more from him, get a Viplay subscription. Yeah, and learn Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to be able to learn Dutch. Very tricky language. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, producer Johnny here, interrupting the show momentarily to tell you about Roan, a clothes brand we think you'd like. I don't know about you, but finding clothes you like can be tough. Sizes can vary from brand to brand, and fabrics can be poor quality or uncomfortable. We all know a good outfit can impact your confidence and help you feel your best, and that's where Roan comes in. Their range of stylish, functional, business casual menswear helps you look good without having to think about it. It's versatile, high quality and durable, and works in a range of social and professional settings. Roan's commuter collection includes products for every occasion, including the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos and blazers. It also features, and get this, wrinkle release technology and gold fusion anti-odor technology for more wears between washes, so you'll be fresh and clean all day long. Roan were kind enough to send me a shirt and some pants from the commuter collection, and I can tell they're going to be part of my wardrobe for a long time to come. The commuter collection could get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com forward slash race and use promo code race to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com forward slash race and use code race. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, as always, I'm joined by Gary Anderson, who's been poring over images of the car, trying to understand what Red Bull have produced. So, Gary, what strikes you about this car? Are you impressed? Um, well, impressed, not the right word exactly, I suppose you might call it. Um, uh, I am impressed because they've gone off the beaten track, or at least what we've seen today has gone off the beaten track. Now, I'm not saying that's what we're going to see in, uh, in Bahrain, because Red Bull have always been very good at, um, at sort of camouflaging, hiding... Um, whatever you like to call it, stuff. So not getting sort of massively excited about what I saw today other than the fact that that's all we can comment on. So just um, I'm I'm a little surprised they've gone off the beaten track so far if what we see is real because it's obviously one of these sort of things where, you know, we know these ground effect cars have always been a bit uh, circuit sensitive. Um, So all the simulation work you do, you know, back at home is all good stuff. But it, you know you need to get to the track before you know what's going on. Um, now you know they have a good pedigree with that, so it should should all function for them. 
but um, it, it's still a risk. And you can very, very quickly take a very good car that you had. You could dot the I's and cross the T's and exploit everything just that little bit more with the same sort of philosophy. Um, and you would you would gain a tenth or two tenths probably, or you can um, you know start with a clean sheet of paper as such and um, and try again, and, and that way the risk level goes up dramatically for the potential return. So I think a reserve judgment see what see in Bahrain as a as a whole, but um, you know it's 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 a risky little route to take. Yeah, it makes it a very interesting car to talk about. The good thing was the car that they revealed is the real car that ran at Silverstone a couple of days ago. There are a few bits on it that are uh, fairly clearly hidden. The diffuser was blanked off. Not that we could get photos from, from that angle anyway. And I suspect the floor uh, will be a, a different one. But there were some very interesting things to see there. So I guess the really interesting thing is, just to the the uneducated eye, as it were, this is a evolution recar, supposedly. But... It's certainly changed a lot for what's posited to be a, an evolutionary car. It feels like a bit more than that. Yeah, well, yeah, I think it's a lot more than that. The last thing I'd say it was evolutionary. Um, as far as the you know the aerodynamic package is concerned, you know, with any of these cars, they've all got to fit within a set of regulations. So you know, you, you can't you can't go front engine by, or you can't mount the rear wheels on top of the rollover bar and that. So not you know nothing dramatic will be different, but it is the subtle parts that actually makes the difference. And um, you've got to be very, very careful with that. So I would have said it wasn't evolutionary at all. I'd say, it's, you know, as I said, there's a, a fair amount of risk going into what they're doing. Um, if I sort of start at the front again, um, which is obviously the first thing that hits the airflow, I've the the, the front wing is very similar um, to last year's front wing, the profile of the back rear flap, the whole location of it. In the pictures and what we saw today, they've done away with the slot gap onto that forward main plane. Now, I've got a funny feeling in my water we're going to see someone different there. Um, they did have some problems with the crash test. We we heard at the end of last season, so there is no real reason to have problems with the crash test if you're keeping the long nose, uh, even longer nose, because you're going to that forward main plane, that forward uh, main plane of the wing. Um, so I, I'm expecting to see someone a little bit different on the nose section, and um, the fact that it didn't have a a cooling duct as such in the front of that nose section leads me to believe that it's that's a little bit of something that's not going to be there. Um, very easy to produce that sort of thing, you know, just make it you know, make it fit so that you can't see it because it, again, the images I saw at Silverstone, I think there's something different there, and I think it might be a, a higher and shorter nose. But again, as I say, we'll, we'll see if we can get to. Uh, to Bahrain, the, the 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 nose, as I said, the nose profile, the nose shape, the overall general thing at the moment that we're seeing is in the front wing and the amount of elements and the the sort of you know the the cord of the elements and stuff is there's nothing much different there obviously the inboard end of it relative to the nose um is very different to the mercedes where the mercedes have gone for this three element and this little tripwire to legalize it obviously uh red bull have gone for a lot of front wing with the four elements close to the nose and that's, again, one of the reasons why I believe that we'll end up seeing two slot gaps and a short nose there, because you've got to get the flow through there from somewhere. And at the minute, they're not getting any of it through there from anywhere. And that part of the car is very important to the underfloor. So could be proved wrong, but just watch this space. Um, going further rearward, again, front suspension, no big difference to last year's. They are the one team that set out in the fact that they don't they have a separate 
front track rod. It's not in line with the bottom wishbone or the top wishbone as such, but not in line with the bottom wishbone, which is where all the other teams put it uh, to get it out, out of the way of the blockage. But um, it's one of those sort of things where you've got less blockage with it in line with the wishbone, but you've got less aerodynamic profiles to try to control the front wing wake. So having it separate gives you the opportunity to, again, get a slightly different angle on that from the bottom wishbone so you can catch the front wing wake and re- re- realign it slightly. And the front wishbone legs, um, the profiles on them, are very powerful at, at redirecting that flow, picking it up from the front wing and, and, and putting it down into the, into the underfloor better. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an important tool. The angle is there. I think it's plus or minus five degrees the regulations allow you. Um, you've got an aspect ratio for each leg of, of 3.5 to 1. Um, so, you know, you can have it three and a half times long, as long as as thick. Um so they can be very powerful at redirecting the flow into the underfloor and Red Bull have got the separate track roads so they've got another component there that they can do that with. Um, and then we go back a little bit further into this different side pod inlet which you know is the one part that's sort of probably thrown me a little bit. Two or three reasons for it I believe. Um, it's, it's one of these sort of deals where all last year they were lifting the, the top the underneath of the radiator inlet upwards and trying to open up the, the side pod undercut. And they probably got to a point where they couldn't really lift it any higher because the the side pod top shelf or top surface itself is level with the top of the chassis. And you obviously need an inlet of some sort there. And they'd gone up as far as they could do, but it meant that the lower edge of the radiator inlet relative to the top of the chassis was probably 50 millimetres down um, and in doing what they've done now they're able to lift that right up and use just the top surface so their their side pod undercut is much much bigger deeper I suppose you might call it so it's um, it's given them more mass flow through that undercut area now there is a vertical radiator duct in there pictures are a bit deceiving as to whether it's a, a single inlet or a twin inlet I'm not quite sure I think it's probably a single inlet but um Again, I'm not quite sure that when we get to Bahrain, it will just be as rectangular an inlet as what we've seen in the car today. But, you know, again, it's always difficult to know. That's a sort of fairly major concept change in its own little way. But some, for some viewpoints, it's the right way because you, you've increased the undercut of the side pod by, by raising that top panel up and you've still got to get air in there somehow to, to cool the car. So... I wouldn't classify it as a zero side pod solution like the old Mercedes because Mercedes had a you know a zero side pod. Basically, they didn't have any undercut or overhang, I suppose you might call it. Red Bull still retain that. So um, it is different. But uh, again, I would rather have a little bit more time to, to see if it, uh, if it actually appears like that or if it's a little bit more sophisticated. It looked a bit, bit basic to me um, for what... I classify as Red Bull's technology. Um, but again, we won't know until we get the Bahrain. Is there a certain sense of irony in that the side pod has gone, like you say, it's not the zero side pod design, but it's gone a little bit in that direction and the engine cover's gone a little bit more back towards what Mercedes has yeah. moved away from. So that there is a certain irony there, isn't there? Do we read a huge amount into that? Can you put into context just how bigger change this is as you say they've still got the undercut so they're still yep. trying to uh, 
work that bit in, in a similar way. But is it possible to, to kind of put into context how big a change this really is? Well, I think, you know, one of the things, it's probably better to reserve that judgment until Wednesday of next week. Um, because, you know, as I say, Red Bull have been very good at camouflage and stuff and, and doing stuff to try and, you know, make it look different. I mean, we saw that with Mercedes two years ago. The, the, the car they first did at the first test at Bahrain was nothing like the car at the second test. You know, the zero side put thing just got exploited dramatically. So there is more stuff underway but um, from, from Red Bull, well, from all the teams, but from Red Bull. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that we'll see differences in it. I think if, if what they've done is real, and obviously, you know, you have to say that over two years they were pretty successful at this ground effect regulation or exploiting this ground effect regulations in a better way than most other teams. So you'd have to say that they, they, they know what they're doing. Um, and there's no reason to doubt that if they've gone in a different direction, it has positive results. It's always a gamble when you change direction, but um, you know it, it could have positive results. And if it has positive results, everybody else has been caught napping um, because it isn't a case of like Mercedes's front wing of just removing that flat and sticking a bit of wire across it. It's it's a fairly major concept change. Um, again, like 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 Mercedes was two years ago. To be honest, the fact was it didn't work. Now, this has got to work, obviously. But Red Bull are coming from a slightly different position. They knew what the, 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 how the twenty twenty two car worked. They knew how the twenty twenty three car was a step better and worked very well. So there's no reason to doubt the twenty twenty four car. But if you take you know go back to Mercedes with the twenty twenty two car, it was them adapting to a new set of regulations. They were climbing into the unknown. Red Bull aren't climbing into the unknown at the minute. The the, the thing that sort of makes me sort of reserve judgment is the. The detail along the floor, obviously, they didn't want to show that it was covered. Nothing there. Um, so I, I, I don't think, I don't think it was really shown its true colours in quite a few places. Not just the fact the bits that were covered up, like the diffuser and the lower edge of the floor. So, again, as I say, to answer that question, see if everybody else is in, in trouble. Let's let's wait to next Wednesday. Did anything catch your eye at the rear of the car? I say that knowing that obviously the actual full rear view, that like you say, the diffuser was completely blanked off. And in fact, yep. when they wheeled the car away after it was revealed, they had a group of about, I don't know, seven or eight people with uh, Paul Monaghan, the chief engineer, in the middle of it, orchestrating things to make sure nobody could get a clear view. I was trying to see if I could get uh, a shot of the back of the car yeah. uh, for you. But unfortunately, uh, yeah, they, they were properly uh, mob-handed covering that. It was quite fun to see uh, Paul Monaghan there playing a big part in uh, making sure that wasn't, uh, that wasn't seen and that it was safely uh, wheeled off the stage. But is there any detail at the back of the car that you could see that was of interest? No, well, I think, you know, we, we've got to start with these two big, um, what they like to call them, I call them elephant trunks, they go down the top of the engine cover there. Um, they're they're exaggerated. Obviously, we've seen teams with it before. Um, Mercedes have had something like that before. And the, the whole thing really is um, with the radiator system, you know, you've got to take air in the front of the car and out the back of the car. And you want to be, you want the bodywork to be as compact as possible in the areas where you need it to be compact, which is, as you can see on the Red Bull, you know, the side pods, stop very short tops the top surface drops away very quickly or it's very short uh, as is the side profile so you know where that where the side pod itself joins the floor in front of the rear tire there there is you know there is no flow through there so you've got to flow through somewhere um and obviously again the, the sort of intake to that coke bottle area 
will be fairly compact around the engine and the exhaust system. So you've got to get airflow through the car. And that airflow starts at the intake. Um, and as it goes through the car, it will, it will, in theory, if you didn't have the radiators in there, you'd want it to expand so that the outlet's bigger than the inlet, so you get flow in that direction. And then, as I say, you open up areas for the radiators to sit in, and you take away the radiator blockage, so you get the you get the area you need bef- between the sort of inside bodywork as such and the outside bodywork, with each radiator placed strategically, so that basically you get this flow across the face of the radiator. Um, and it, but, as I say, from the front to the back, you need to expand it. So you need volume somewhere to allow air to get through there, because those bits at the top look big. They are just a carbon fibre shell, so there's nothing heavy about them. They just look big. But you've got to get the volume of air through the car from the front to the back somewhere. And there's other areas that are more critical to to keeping compact, as I say, and around the beginning of the Coke bottle, down the sides of the front, the back of the engine, under the gearbox. Um, you know, allowing that all to be as compact as possible to get the best flow through there as possible. Um and by having those those two sort of tunnels up high, the air that's you know coming around the driver's head and in between the you might call it the halo and the rollover bar, you know there'll be two there'll be two reduced height tunnels through there, which will stop that um, that air that's coming through there from spilling down the side of the engine cover and into the coke bottle. So you can see logical reasons for lots of things. That that one visual thing is is the fact. I think it will give it'll give better coke bottle performance. Um, and allow them to shorten the side pod a bit more so that they do again improve the coke bottle performance and try to get that flow in and along the top of the floor rather than trying to go underneath the floor which will lose your downforce so that that's all you know I think that's all logical stuff um, the rear wing then is the only other thing we've seen well rear suspension sorry you know it's, it's similar to last year it looks as though the push rod might be a little bit further forward where it mounts into the gearbox but I'm not sure whether they've done a new gearbox for this year or not. Um, I sort of don't see why, and I don't see why not. You know, because they can. I suppose is the best way of putting it. Um, so if there's a bit of detail there that they can, that they've, they've changed, it looks from the pictures we've seen that the push rod, push rod inboard end might be a bit further forward, um, and it looks like there might be a little bit more anti-lift on the rear suspension, both in the the top wishbone and the bottom wishbone. I think the front legs dropped a little bit. Small amounts, um, but I think it, if anything, it's gone that direction. So, a um, little bit of change there. Um, we didn't see the diffuser or the beam wing, as you say, and the rear wing. They've gone for the separated flap, um, and from the from the end plates as such. Again, to reduce that vortex that comes off that outer corner. When you want maximum downforce, like Monaco, you will connect that all back up again because it does give you downforce, but it's a pretty inefficient part of the wing. Uh, so if you take if you take this sort of efficiency spread across the 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 the, width, the span of the wing, you know, end to end, that's the worst part of the wing. Um, so you start to work on that, that part to reduce that uh, vortex that's generated there. Um, you lose downforce by it, but you gain efficiency on the whole rear wing assembly. You just can't generate the numbers. So as I say, for Monaco, it's, I would think that will come back again, but for other tracks. You know, more efficient tracks, and I think you'll see that same philosophy spread. You know, pretty much across the grid. But some people, and we know Red Bull are very good at the exploiting the um, the DRS advantage. Um, I think you know one of the things that they've they've they do is 
when the DRS is shut, they always have a high downforce car. And that means that if you can get on pole and you can sprint the distance, you're looking pretty good because A, you can go faster and save the tires because you've got the downforce to save the tires sliding around. But if for some reason you get you know you get stuck in traffic, um, you've still got a high downforce car to catch the people in front of you to get to within that one second to allow you to use the DRS. And we, we know their DRS over the last two years has been very, very powerful. So, you know, they have a, a, a much bigger reduction in downforce when you want to just pass somebody. So the DRS system now is part of the regulations. It's part of form, the Formula One car concept. So you've got to buy into that. It's not just an add-on like it was initially. It's now really part of the the, uh, the design package that you create initially. And you've got to get the biggest advantage possible from it. And that means you also get the biggest advantage for it downforce-wise when it's shut. So... um it's a big part of, part of the uh, design parameters now, so, and Red Bull are pretty good at that. So overall, from what you've said, and obviously we have to have the usual caveat that we can only talk about what's actually there in front of us at, at this stage, everything you've talked through, there's a reason for things that makes a certain amount of sense. But yep. I guess the big question is whether this is Red Bull kind of redefining the template another step forward or whether they might have almost done too much. So what do you have a gut feeling on it, or is it just the stopwatch will decide? I think it's down to the stopwatch, but again, you know, the, the situation they were in for, for last year, especially, to take gambles is not something they should do. They didn't. They don't have to take gambles, because the fact that if you're worried about the other people beating you with the performance you had last year, you know, um, that you have to take gambles and you're doing the wrong thing because if they dotted the I's and crossed the T's, I'd say they'd probably find a couple of tents uh, on, on what they had. Um, whereas doing what they're doing now, they might be looking, if they get it all together, they might be looking half a second, but you could also be looking at causing yourself a bit of grief on the way before you find that half second. It doesn't just come by making it making it into a new car. It's a lot of work to do. Now they're very good at that and all that stuff. So I don't doubt that what they've done is is a positive step in the right direction. But what I do doubt is that what we've seen is what they will run, because I I, I cannot understand quite understand why it would be a step in the right direction in a few areas. It's it's too basic for me in a couple of areas. The nose is one of them. The, really to be truthful the, the side pod inlet is another one it just looks like a tall rectangular slot um, now you know I'm I'm sort of a fan of that Olympic type intake um, that they have that style of thing because you know we, we used it on the Jordan a couple of occasions and it, it works quite well but as I, as I said in my column about this it's it's one of those things where you know when we were doing that back then you were sticking your finger in there to see which way the wind blew um, the technology that, that teams have now, especially Red Bull, you don't stick your finger in the air to find the wind, how, where the wind's coming from. You know, you have all the tools in, your, in the toolbox to to be exploited to the maximum. So, again, from their point of view, I'd be very surprised if they're really taking big gambles, but it can turn around and bite you pretty quickly. But I really would love to see what happens uh, when we get to the test and see what they really do run, because... Uh, I think it might look a bit different. Well, the good news is you will be there to have a very close look at that car. So we'll be bringing everybody listening, reading, watching the race, our impressions of the real car 
once it's out there testing in plain sight. So thanks, Gary. And if you'd like to hear more from Gary on car launches, he'll be answering your questions on the next episode of the Race Members Club podcast. To hear that, you have to be part of the club. And there's no better time to join because for a limited period, we're offering a one-month free trial membership. That means you can enjoy everything the Race Members Club has to offer before we take any money from you. And after that, it'll cost you just £2.99 a month. We've got loads of stuff planned over the next few weeks. So sign up today and enjoy a free month on us. You can find full details on how to join by clicking the link in the description to this episode. We'll get back to the pod in a moment, but first, a word about our partner, Grammarly. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. And Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. I know from experience that Grammarly can help you save time on any writing task and ensure you feel confident about what you've produced. In fact, 96% of Grammarly's users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing, and their tone suggestions can help you navigate even the most difficult work conversations. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at grammarly.com forward slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said done. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm now joined by Mark Hughes as ever. We're just still hanging around outside MK7 where they held the launch. Mark, we've heard now from Gary about the car. Were you a little bit surprised, even though we'd seen a few little spy shots of it? Are you surprised at just how aggressive an evolution this car is? Absolutely. And it's, um, you know, the Red Bull of the last two years has been a sort of, you know, it's established the, the... the standard F1 car, if you like, all the other cars are moving towards what Red Bulls of the last two years have looked like. And they just seem to have visually at least moved the game on. Um, the very aggressive way that they've uh, gone around the side pods, the way the whole, um, the, 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 shoulder, the shoulders in between the airbox and the, the, um, the side pods, very, very high. It looks like everything's sunken down way low in terms of the radiators. It looks a very, very aggressive engineering job that they've, they've done for. Um, and yeah, if it if it moves the game on in, in terms of lap time, uh, it could be bad news for everybody else. I must admit, when I saw the car up close, I was thinking of what Andrea Stella said in January, where he said, well, actually, Red Bull are going to move on because they kept a bit back last year, plus their other restrictions. They obviously invested heavily in this car because of their circumstances. So this is probably his worst nightmare <laughs> realised, isn't it, given they've done so much? Yeah, and I think, but even then, even when Andrea said that, I think everyone was thinking of, in terms of developing what they had, in terms of, um, you know, in the in the virtual world, adding developments and then, you know, adding performance to the existing platform. 
Um, but this looks more radical than that. This, this looks as though they've actually had a, a, a back-to-basics restart. And it's good because we did see the real car. That was the one that briefly ran at Silverstone earlier in the week. So we've been able to have a, a good a close look at it. One of the things that was asked regularly today was the fact that in some areas they've gone a little bit Mercedes style almost. Max Verstappen was asked about it and said, oh, I think of it as the Red Bull style. But I see what you mean. Yeah, the, um, the radiator inlet is vertical, and it's, um, which is like the original um, Mercedes of two years ago. And it's, it's, but it, it, it goes into a very different side pod configuration to what the Mercedes did. Um, but yes, it's interesting that just as Mercedes have abandoned that, um, Red Bull have adopted it. But I, I'm sure it wasn't deliberate. And as Christian Horner said, it's, um, it, it wasn't strategic. It's driven purely by performance. I mean, all those side pod changes are very much aero-driven because it's not that there's radiators high up or anything. They're all low down uh, from what we know about that car. So interesting from that perspective. But I guess it does show, doesn't it? If you stand still on F1, you go backwards. And although we think of last year's car as the apotheosis of these regs, it's Red Bull that sets what's the absolute best version of these regs, isn't it? So they've obviously still found fruitful avenues to go down that are producing more downforce, more performance numbers in, uh, in simulation, the wind tunnel in particular. Yeah, and I think it all goes back to the, um, the car of two years ago, whereby Red Bull got the platform right. Adrian knew he was talking about this again today. They got the basic platform right. They got the basic understanding of what was required of these regulations spot on straight away. So they built this fantastic foundation. And of course, they've just plowed on developing that and what's the logical outcome of this and you, you you then say okay but we're limited here so we'll change that for next year's car all right and let's plow on again okay where we're limited now okay this hardware needs to change and so they've been doing that brick by brick by brick whereas everybody else has had to sort of reassess where they were so lacking in their concept to the original red bull and okay let's revise our understanding and start from there and revise it, it, it it's a different process really so um hamilton described it in an interview last year he said you know they they added brick by brick whereas we had to knock the wall down and start again and i think that's that's not just mercedes that's that's been pretty much everywhere else i must admit to mention mclaren again it gives more confidence in what they're doing again because they've gone in a similar direction to red bull so that tells us that team isn't just following the red bull lead it's actually able to self-generate presumably some similar ideas. It's not identical to this new car by any means, but you can see some of the same traits and approaches being taken. Yeah, no way that they've approached that. Um, that side. I mean, we, we get very preoccupied with side pod inlets, radiator inlets and side pods, because they're the obvious visual differentiators between all the different cars. Um, but those those things are driven by the what the aim is with the characteristics of the underfloor and where the downforce is being delivered on the underfloor um you know different speeds different ride heights at um, different angles so it, it, it will be driven by that be, be driven by where they need the ultimate distribution of downforce from those underbody tunnels to be and so that then implies the shapes that that we see um, on the, on the outside, but one interesting thing that uh, Checo Perez said when comparing this car and that the last year's car in the simulator, he said that the gains he expects the biggest gains to be in the slow corners, um, and it was already probably very very strong car in slow corners. It was probably the best, um, but 
I think what that, it, that that's probably particularly good news for Checo because it implies that the setup window can be opened up because there is always this conflict between the low speed and high speed behavior with these cars because they're they're very very grippy in high speed and a bit clumsy and awkward in low speed so if you can make good gains in the clumsy awkward bit um it it, it opens up the, the setup windows now max can drive any car exactly as it needs to be driven to get the maximum from but checo needs something quite specific to to get to his level his maximum level of performance so that that might be good news for him that it's opened up a, a wider window yeah, and he's certainly confident about the work he's been doing last year. We talked about the progress he made at the back end of the year, the work he did in the post-Abu Dhabi test as well. He talked about that after a full day of running there. So, of course, he's going to be upbeat, but he knows what's at stake this year. So that's going to be a big question mark. That seat is his to lose. That's the way Christian Horner in the past has, has characterised it. But talking of Horner, Mark, we've already talked about him a bit earlier in the podcast, but what did you make of his involvement in the launch? And, of course, he did speak to us at the end as well. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly absolutely determined to see this through he's not about to voluntarily stand down um he's saying that every everything is as far as he is concerned is going on exactly as before even while this process unfolds so uh, yeah i mean he's uh, showing the the you know the the determination that's um that, that's driven the whole creation of this team and and, and what's driven it forward yeah, and certainly the fact that he was so prevalent in the launch he wasn't apologetically part of the launch he was absolutely front and center through most of it so that's obviously a very uh, very deliberate decision but i think ultimately from everything everyone's saying it still does have that air of business as usual of course they're trying to present that but this just feels like a team that's just rolling on quite nicely isn't it they've had that great year last year the biggest benefit of that wasn't just the success but the fact they didn't have to worry too much about car development last year so i feel like almost they've got to this point now and that extra cost cap penalty they had that reduced the CFD and wind tunnel time almost that's been weathered that's done and dusted now and it, it's just onward and upward for them it's like a juggernaut you know and the teams of this size successful ones especially you can't just switch it off there's there's targets to be hit um, there's things to be made so it you know it doesn't change the job of anyone here this process that this underway this investigation nothing changes and nothing can change because then you miss deadlines and then you're in trouble so yeah everybody in the whole factory will be very much aware of this investigation but it's not going to change the way things are operating from from day to day it's it's too big and intense a process especially at this stage of the season um for for, for that anybody's schedule or, or, or program to change it's actually worth briefly mentioning just how enormous this team has been become has become. We talked about this earlier, actually. In fact, the launch, I did say earlier, was in MK7. We were initially in the MK7 entertainment space, and we moved to another building just beyond the, the new powertrains building. In fact, you can just hear the powertrains building probably in the background uh, making some general industrial noises, lots of work going on there. But obviously, when this team started as Red Bull, it was just one building, the, what's now the Building 1, I think they call it the Red Bull Technology, and that's, that's sort of the, the obvious centre point. And that was Paul Stewart Racing way back in the day, an ex-ball bearing factory, no less. But it's amazing now, this whole campus, they've annexed most of this industrial estate. Yeah, and there's uh, what was once just a, a street with various businesses going off it down other streets. That's now got a, a, a barrier, a gated barrier uh, with security people on it. Um, and it, inside it, is, everything is, is, is Red Bull. So it's, it's yeah, it, it's just 
as you say, annexed the whole at an, an industrial estate all, all on its own. Yeah, it's why we call it a campus now, because it absolutely yeah. is. And I remember Red Bull, early on, they off, they added a second and a third building. And now there's a building being put together for uh, the form the, the team formerly known as Alpha Tari. Struggling to know what to call it. V-Carb, Visa Cash App RB, RB2, whatever we want to say. So, yeah, the empire gradually grows. But uh, overall, I think we've seen nothing today to suggest there's any reason why Red Bull shouldn't continue as it was last year. By which I mean continues to be the lead team uh, repeating last year is going to be improbable because it's so hard to do that never never say never but you wouldn't be putting your money anywhere else would you no they haven't taken their foot off the gas by the look of that car and um they're, they're, you know, the, the standard setting team and it's uh, yeah it's still going to be the target everybody's aiming for so um i've seen nothing that suggests that there's there's any any complacency creeping in um but yeah i mean you, you talk about the the, the new buildings and going up and um, the, the the one for the uh, for the RB team I guess that has to be quite a big building because they've got to fit the team name on the front so, yeah. <laughs> oh there's abbreviations as well there's all sorts of I branding uh, branding going on but anyway that's going to be a mission it's for font, the font sizes as well I, I, yeah, I haven't thought it through really they'll be fiddling with the kerning <laughs> an old sub-editing job there for the three people with sub-editing experience uh, listening to the podcast. Well, thanks very much, Mark, for your input. And thanks to everyone we've had on the podcast. Head to therace.com and don't forget the hyphen. Loads to read there, including Gary's analysis of the car. Check out our other podcasts, including Bring Back V10s, the Race F1 Tech Show, our IndyCar, MotoGP and Formula E podcast. And also take a look at YouTube for long and short form videos. We've now seen, to a greater or lesser extent, nine out of ten cars. So stay with us for everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. The Athletic.